This is the Home Bodies Yoga Podcast, and I'm Rebecca Hirsch, and this is our 26th episode. In this podcast, I ask people what they do when they unroll their yoga mat and tell you a little bit about what's going on on mine. If you have a question about your yoga practice or a suggestion for a guest, please email me at rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Homebodies Yoga Podcast. To find out more about each show, please go to our website, homebodiesyoga.com. If you're enjoying the show, please rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And uh, if you are listening somewhere where you can't rate and review, if you could rate and review at Apple Podcasts, that would be very helpful for the show. It really helps people find it. First thing, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, You might have noticed this episode came out on a Monday, not a Friday. And that's really just because I realized that um, Mondays work better with my childcare schedule. Like it's really that simple. And I hadn't really thought it through when I decided to put shows out on Fridays, but Mondays just work so much better. So, um, as the CEO boss and only employee of home bodies yoga, I changed it. So from now on, uh, the show will still come out every two weeks, but it will be out on Mondays instead of Fridays. And, You also might have noticed that I took a week off, which was really nice. We were away. We kind of had back-to-back trips. We were in Boston for some time, and then we were in Wisconsin for some time. And um, I'll just say, for any parents out there, was Cambridge, Massachusetts. So we stayed in Cambridge, which is like, I think a part of Boston. I don't really know if it's a neighborhood in Boston or a suburb. Anyway, Cambridge best playgrounds I've ever played at. Honestly, like Hudson had so much fun and not a way I would have rated a place five years ago, but, or even would have been aware, but a good playground really makes a difference. You don't realize it until you're at a good one, but like Hudson just had so much fun playing and he was so worn out at the end of the night, every night or at every nap time. It was really great. Um, And then we were in Wisconsin with my family, and that was also so nice for Hudson to get to see his cousins and for me to get to spend some time with my family and my sister. So, yeah, but it feels very good to be back. And I just want to come back basically just talking about triangle pose um, uh, because, well, you guys know it's like one of my favorite poses. But this morning I was practicing this version, which I had totally forgotten about, um, that I learned at the Satchitananda Ashram. And if you're used to regular triangle, it's definitely way different. So if you, let's just pretend like, let's pretend like you're right, right leg forward, left leg back. But you know, in this triangle, you have a very, very short stance. So your stance is like maybe a step's distance, maybe a little bit wider than that. So like a little bit more than a squat. Your front toes, instead of being pointed, you know, straight to the right, they're pointed basically forward, like the same way your body is facing, maybe a little bit, you know, call it like one o'clock instead of 12 o'clock. And then your back leg is kind of the same as a regular triangle where those um, left toes are pointed in a little bit, but you know, you have a much shorter stance. And, you know, to be totally honest, at the Sashananda Ashram, nobody really seemed to care much about foot placement, honestly. (laughs) Like, I don't. I think I only learned that because I like copied the teacher. I don't think anyone ever taught me that there. Um, And then your right hand is kind of on your right ankle, right foot, which is easy to reach because it's such a short stance. And then your left arm, instead of reaching straight up, is up and over your head, like really, really pointed toward the front of your mat, uh, toward your right 
foot, but extending over that. So it's like this huge side body stretch, really nice outer hip stretch for that back leg. Um, I was a little bit sore because I've been on vacation. I walk a lot. So I've been walking a lot, traveling a lot. And then I went for a run when we got back. So I've, I've been feeling sore in the kind of outer hip QL area. And this stretch, man, amazing. Like not at all the triangle pose that, that we know and love perhaps, but like a really nice pose on its own. Uh, but I was thinking like, I wonder if, you know, so you know that cue that um, sometimes people, sometimes yoga teachers say to square your hips, which um, not, not only like, not that it's dangerous, it's sort of, it is kind of dangerous for the pelvis and the low back. I won't say dangerous. It, you know, it could cause problems for the pelvis and the low back to square your hips. But also it's like not really possible, you know, because your front foot in a regular triangle, your front foot, your toes are pointed to the front of the room and your back toes are in a little. So your pelvis spins, Your the back of your pelvis, you know, your left leg pelvis has to spin forward. And that's actually how you get that good stretch. But with that and the front toes facing forward, to square your hips is actually impossible. And if you tried to do it, it could really strain your lower back. But I was wondering if maybe that cue, that squaring your hips cue, comes from this Satchitananda version and, you know, the wires just got crossed. Because in that pose, you can kind of square your hips, especially if you don't pay as much attention to toe placement. Like, if your toes are kind of just facing the same direction as your body, squaring your hips is pretty easy and it is does feel kind of good on the side body. So I don't know. I was wondering if, like, maybe that's how that cue started. Um, maybe somebody has already written about this or, or talked about this and I'm totally, you know, in the dark, I'm literally in the dark actually right now in my dark closet, but <laughs> you know, I'm in the dark about this or, or maybe I've just discovered something. I don't know. Let me know if you've heard this theory before, but it would make sense that the cue of squaring your hips comes from the Satchitanaja variation because you could do it. And also try this variation. I'm telling you, it feels really, really good. It's like if extended triangle and if it's it's like if extended triangle or if it's like if triangle and extended side angle had a baby and then they the baby was still little so your stance was short uh i'll post a picture of it on the instagram too just so you guys can see on the home body's instagram obviously um but yeah and then i just did regular triangle too you know like this morning to really round it out and again it just feels so good like that back leg outer hip stretch, that front leg inner thigh stretch, your body is in a twist, you know, that you're using the obliques to twist. Then there's like the expansive arms, which feel like, I don't know, they just give you some energy, but also they're like working your back. Ugh, triangle. It's like just the best pose. I mean, you should just pause this right now, do a little triangle. Start like warm up in a warrior two and do a triangle. <laughs> I always bump me out when teachers do the half bind and triangle like it does feel good for your shoulder but I just I just like the whole thing I want that arm up anyway um that's that's really taken all our time just me uh, me talking about these versions of triangle which I, is honestly why I do this podcast so whatever um you but honestly if you try either one if, if you try the such a version of triangle and you love it or hate it or whatever you should message me and talk to me about it because clearly i have a lot of passion um and i don't have a good kind of leeway into talking about our guests today um but i'm very excited 
to welcome him. It is uh, Nicholas McMaster. He is the uh, electric bass player for Kralis. He is also was my husband's college roommate and still a very good friend. Um, and he's just a really great guy. Like, I, you know, I feel like um, when you, you're a yoga instructor and you meet someone new and you tell them what they do, there's like kind of a few, well, there's a few different responses. And usually it's just like, oh, that's nice, <laughs> you know. But like, I remember when I first met Nick, he w- like just really wanted to go deep and talk about yoga. And, you know, he has this like real, um, unabashed enthusiasm for things he likes which it's just so nice to talk to someone who can be excited about things you know like um and have like i don't know he just is like really you know loves yoga loves the yoga practice and you can really tell that it's like benefited him and it does a lot for him and he's just like really willing to just like talk about it and have enthusiasm for it and he's kind of that like that way about everything he's just a real a real sweetheart um and he was very patient with my completely and totally dorky um ways of talking about his uh, very cool band <laughs> they play avant-garde um it's like what did i what did i find it's avant-garde black metal um which i I sound dorky just saying I know it, but um, <laughs> I basically was like going through Wikipedia and I was like, uh, Nick, there's a lot of conflicting opinions about your band. Like, what is it called? <laughs> and, um, and he he allowed me to call it avant-garde black metal because I think it's the, the f- most fun uh, of the different descriptions. But um, he has like an amazing worth ethic and you can really tell from listening to his music. Like it's so you know, he, you can just tell he's like practiced so much. Um, so I really recommend checking out his music and uh, also listening to this interview. So here is Nick. Welcome, Nick. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Uh, so let's get right into it. What is your yoga practice like these days? Well, um, you know, I feel, uh, <laughs> I feel a little subconscious saying this, um, except that perhaps, you know, it's best that I have a yoga practice at all, but obviously we're talking in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, and so while I had a couple, uh, I've, I'm uh, living in North Brooklyn, uh, New York, and um, had been going to studios in the area uh, since probably about 2015, 2016 or so. Um, and really like that, but obviously that, you know, wasn't a possibility. Uh, so I have been doing, uh, besides just, um, you know, getting on the mat and kind of figuring stuff out, which I very quickly realized, like I, I had been going for long enough that I knew poses, but I didn't really know sequences, especially not what I really liked about classes. Um, which was the way the sequences would be like really, uh, balanced to kind of hit all parts of the body and like roughly equal proportion, you know, front, back, put, you know, left, right, even kind of push, pull, although there's not that much pull, but, um, oh, I guess there is, never mind. Uh, yeah, push, pull, you know, just very equalized. So uh, I realized I kind of needed a little bit more guidance. Um, so I've been using this app, I'm sure you've heard of, uh, it used to be called Down Dog, now it just seems to be called Yoga, that um, randomly, like intelligently randomly seems to create a sequence um, based on the amount of time you give it. 
Um, so yeah, I'm probably going to like sound like an advertisement or something. Um, but you know, I, it made me kind of realize that, uh, to a degree, what I really need is like the patter because obviously it's like my phone screen. That's a lot of times I, I can't really see it or I just kind of look to kind of check in, but it was really like the teacher's monologue. And again, the intelligence sequencing, which is like slightly more than I can hold on my head because I'm not a yoga teacher. Um, so yeah, I've been using that uh, and some YouTube videos, uh, especially a little later, um, maybe when I'd be hanging out with like one friend or something, I, I did YouTube videos a little bit, but I didn't really delve into that world. Um, so yeah, that's basically um, it, like a, you know, a daily short, like 15 to 30 minute um, down dog session or a morning and evening one if I'm really, really good. Um, that's basically my practice. Uh, other than just kind of getting on the mat and freestyling. Um, yeah, that 15 to 30 minute is like such a sweet spot. I think like it, you can, it's like easier to fit in in the morning, like 45 to an hour is nice, but it just seems impossible. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I mean, I miss that, you know, the classes when I was going to them were always uh, like 80 minutes plus Shavasana. So like 90, 95 total. Um, and I, I miss that from the fitness angle because especially with some teachers, it would just be like pulverizing, you know, I mean, I'm not even in the like heavy arm balance inversion tier, but just, you know, the standard vinyasa moves for 80, 90 minutes. If you're kind of like always, you know, doing the chaturanga and just like all that stuff, I mean, it would be, it would be really intense. And I miss that kind of like, you know, fitness style burn, but, um, you know, as we might talk about later, I'm a musician and I, really didn't stretch or do any mobility work or really have any sort of body mindfulness at all for the first like decade of like very intensely playing electric bass guitar and practicing many, many hours a day. So I, I just have this like clench in a, a lot of parts of my body and I really need that daily check-in or, uh, you know, things start screaming <laughs> my, my, my arm and elbow and back and stuff. So, uh, yeah, just that kind of daily check-in and, and the, the 15 minutes, you know, or like I said, I try to make it you know, 20 or something like that if I can, but, um, that, that is enough to kind of check in like, okay, where am I at? How am I doing? You know, maybe like get these things a little bit feeling a little bit looser, um, just so I have a kind of better starting place when I do do music. Yeah. Um, and well, I want to go into the music part, but I, this app I haven't tried. So is it, is it like a, person's voice or is it is it an actual person yeah, yeah it's a person's voice and it's a person's you, voice oh sorry do you get to decide like what poses you're gonna do or it just has you don't so this is what i'm pretty sure is that it's um it's uh ai ish um if that you know kind of algorithmically generated as so many things are uh so basically what, what i can tell is that it is very short video and audio clips of just like one pose or like the kind of like the the sort of like two state motion that might be in a pose for example if you were doing uh cat cow i'm sorry i don't know the real name um but you know like okay now we you know now we breathe in and we and we do the uh cat part and we breathe out and we do the cow part or you know if you're doing um 
uh, not all poses have this, but, you know, a classic, like, you know, if you were just doing like a, a forward fold to a flat back or something like that, it might be like the two states like that. Like it has like, that seems to be the unit at which the video and audio clip is, um, you know, the, both a, you know, pleasing sounding teacher's voice and then an actual video of a person doing it, although uh, they're not, you know, speaking. Um, but then it seems to me, cause you know, I, I work in app development, so I kind of <laughs> have an idea of how it might be constructed that, yeah, that there are all these very, very short clips, you know, only a couple seconds a piece. Um, and then they're random, but like not totally random. Um, so that, uh, you know, I've, I've done it a lot. I mean, I'm doing it almost every day. So, uh, it's like, you know, um, there's a certain set of, of, Begin of beginning e poses, like it might be, you know, like a big morning stretch just on your back or things like that. And then pretty soon you get into uh, sun salutation stuff. And then there'll be like a pick of like, you know, oh, are we going to do like, you know, warrior three or are we going to do the like one legged, you know, um, folded leg chair variation, you know, something like that, like, like some or a tree pose. Like you can tell that it considers those like there's like a slot, I don't know, like, you know, standing on one leg kind of thing and it'll pick one of those random. So it's not totally random. It's, it's guided so that every outcome is a, is a reasonable sequence. You know, it's never asked me to do something like ridiculous, you know, as somebody who's taken a lot of classes, it always feels like it has that logic. Um, but it is different pretty much every time. Um, and obviously not obviously, but you can, it's if time intervals are like 15 is the shortest you can do. Then there's like 18, 20, 25, 30, you know, up to two hours and, um, you know, it'll populate that out. And it seems to kind of like, you know, it might, the longer you get, it might go forward or back to things, um, kind of like how a teacher does, you know, have bigger, uh, loops, um, or bit or big sequences that are all on the left side and then on the right side, things like that. So, I mean, it's pretty neat, you know, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> no, that's but. pretty cool. It sounds like it works. Like that's nice. And I mean, I feel like as someone who like, is a teacher and like uh, does my own sequence. I feel like I end up doing the same ones over and over because it's like what I like or what's in my head. So it's nice that I'm sure it gets like shuffles the deck much more than maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, right. right. As somebody who's not a teacher, I found I just wasn't making myself do stuff that I needed. Like I wasn't quite hitting it. I would mm -hmm. kind of do, you know, I would, I, I could remember certain sequences and I just, um, yeah, I couldn't, I, I, I could tell once I started this, I'm like, oh God, yeah, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this whole like, yeah. second thing, <laughs> so, you know, things like that. Um, I would like to say, having, you know, spoken very highly of this app that I recently um, did a class uh, and because, you know, you're a yoga teacher and I'm not sure lots of yoga teachers are listening that I recently did a zoom class for the first time ever, because obviously still pandemic stuff. Um, I'm not really sure what the situation is with studios in New York. You probably can go, but uh, I haven't quite investigated yet. But yeah, I did a Zoom class with um, this teacher, Lindsay Sandwald. Uh, she's uh, at uh, Iggy Dean, I-D-G-Y-D-E-A-N. I'm terrible at spelling stuff out loud, but anyway, I hope that's right. Um, <laughs> uh, at Instagram. Um, and I do have to say that after so long with this like sort of, you know, algorithmic yoga, I was like, oh, right. A teacher is actually better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, because, you know, and, and this was still over Zoom, so it's still like mediated. Um, obviously, she couldn't correct me or whatever like that, you know. Um, and then 
it's it's hard to say the, the limits to it. You know, there's probably limits to which a teacher can even see people, especially if there's many. We were lucky there were only a handful of students in this class at the time we went. Um, but just having her sort of talk through stuff in the moment um, and go a little deeper, both on the sort of meditation, mindfulness type stuff. Um, it also reminded me this app doesn't really talk about breathing at all other than telling you other than guiding you to do you know essentially deep breaths but it doesn't really talk about like ujjayi breath or like varying the types or teach you that stuff um maybe there's some setting you know whatever that people are probably mad at me right now but uh <laughs> nonetheless you know i it, it reminded me that there are there are broader horizons and there's and there's something you said for the person to touch um even again, even through a video call with a, a real human teacher. So that was, that was really awesome. And I do look forward to getting back to that, but you know, for when the world is uh, locked down, uh, that was pretty much a lifesaver. So. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, what you said is so interesting because, you know, I've been kind of like reading some of your interviews all day and that really reminds me of uh, the interview you did where you were talking about what first getting into um, metal and how you were first into industrial and that you didn't realize that you could make that with the same instruments. <laughs> you can make that noise with the same instruments uh, as the Beatles. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, right. So it's like machines can do it, but there is like kind of something kind of sort of different when people do, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. There's yeah. a um, yeah, machine sequences, but yeah, it's kind of a different, I mean, and it's like easy, you can appreciate both are like industrial is still good. It's just different. Like it's sure, just sure. a different thing. Or, or it reminds me, I had a, um, when I first got into things, I, I, uh, contacted this drummer, Dave Nuss, uh, from the band Sabbath assembly around here, who was sort of just like, I, I knew had been doing, um, a shango just forever. And I asked him about, um, you know, for yoga studio recommendations, if being New York City, there's, you know, one million. Um, and uh, I was expecting like a really detailed critique of like, you know, well, this place is like this and this place is like this and all this stuff. And all Dave said to me was find the studio which is closest to your apartment <laughs> because the best yoga is the yoga that you will actually do. <laughs> and the place that's closest is the place you will actually go to the, the most, you know? Um, so in that way, you know, this app might not be the best, maybe it's only 70% or something of, you know, the value of a, of a, of a teacher. I'm, I'm missing certain things about breath types and things like that, but at least I'm, you know, I'm doing it and I'm doing it in a way that's not just completely just me freestyling and like forgetting, you know, half the stuff I need to do. So. <laughs> And more than a lot of people. I mean, I think um, the jump from practicing in a studio to being able to practice at home is like, uh, it's not something that it's a big jump for a lot of people. Um, So it's great that you were able to like keep practicing because I know I've interviewed a lot of people who, who just couldn't for one reason or another keep practicing through the pandemic. So 20 minutes, 30 minutes to an app sounds, it's like pretty good, really. (laughs) I, I mean, yeah, I hope so. Like I said, it's, I, I, you know, I, with, with these sort of weird repetitive stress injury and stuff like that, I, I kind of almost feel like I don't have a choice um, because I need to check in or I just need to sort of like, you know, uh, release some of the tension. Um, I mean, one of my things that I do is just a, uh, just like a set a five minute timer and do a child's pose with the arms like wide and a, and like a Y 
shape, like 45 degrees, because that's like, a you know, with a base and stuff, that's like a, you know, a, a test of just how the, the basic sort of like hug action tension is, you know. Um, but yeah, thank you. Um, that's so, okay. So this, I, how did you first realize, like, like, what made you first try yoga out? Like, were you feeling pain already or... Oh, really or was it? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I got to it. Um, I, I was, I mean, it was different pain. I remember I, I uh, was on like a, a music trip to perform um, in Europe and I had just like a really big heavy bag with too many things. And I remember getting like shooting pains um, like down my leg, like my IT band and like around my foot. Um, and I didn't do anything. I was like 28 or 29, I think. And I didn't do anything physical really at all at that point. Um, and uh, thankfully I had a base student who was a personal, personal trainer and a um, like Russian kettlebell uh, specialist. Um, so we started with like a, a barter thing of just trading our respective services, which is great because she was a lot more expensive than I was. Uh, <laughs> um, and that, that's, you know, that began at least just this, you know, uh, kind of like a trip of more body mindfulness. Um, but also there was a lot of body weight calisthenics, um, in her program, which I started to become vaguely aware were cribbed from, uh, cribbed from yoga and, mm. um, the stuff I'm talking about, the sort of like sciatic type pain, leg type pains, just being more like mobile um, and and doing more range of motion stuff and kind of activating uh, actually kind of kicked that. Um, but then once I was doing a lot of that stuff and then still doing all my music routines and performances and stuff like that, I started to get more injuries that I thought of as more specifically um, electric bass oriented uh, to wit, um, tennis elbow, uh, which is like, you know, pain on the outside, um, like the ligament that connects your forearm on the outside. There's also golfer's elbow, apparently these names, right. Which is like on the, on the inside of your elbow. But, um, uh, once those things, like those are things that just kind of being mobile and doing stuff with my arms didn't really seem to do anything. In fact, I I'm pretty sure that, you know, kettlebell swings and pull-ups and lots of like pull oriented stuff along with all the pulling of, of playing bass, which is basically like when you're doing your fretting hand, you're essentially doing a sort of like, you know, pull motion. Um, probably those things probably all exacerbated it. Uh, and so I just got curious because I, I knew I was kind of already doing a bunch of yoga moves that had basically been, you know, <laughs> stolen and sort of de-spiritualized in the bodyweight calisthenics. Um, I mean, even just a plank or something like that, obviously, uh, I began to be, you know, more, uh, interested in doing that. And that's when I started exploring studios in New York. Um, mm -hmm. In addition with uh, kind of more, you know, more actual physical therapy um, type uh, advice. Um, yeah. Does that answer the question? Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Does yoga to you, does it feel, does yoga to you feel physical, purely physical or does, is there a spiritual element for you? That's a good question. You know, I, I was doing it with my girlfriend and she asked me if I had set an intention. Um, we did the 
the Lindsay Sandwald class together because it was her teacher. Um, and it reminded me again, being out of an actual studio for so long, um, that that's something that teachers would have you do. And again, just doing this sort of app stuff. I mean, I'm sure people would regard this as like nigh blasphemous, um, that I hadn't really thought about that too much, except that I have such an obvious intention, which is to like heal these specific problems and be able to like do art without feeling pain. You know, that's kind of always, always there. It's just a sort of monomaniacal intention. Um, yeah, there is, yeah, there's something kind of spiritual, really, just in feeling like connected to your body, because I don't know, I feel like the body is like the house of the spirit, maybe. I don't sure. know. <laughs> Does that make sense to you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I was going to say that for me, even without a specific meditative intent, I find that like when I want to explain yoga to people who just have no idea whatsoever, I say that, um, you know, at, at a certain degree, you can at a certain angle, you can view it as this, you know, sequence of poses, a lot of which could be called a sort of body weight calisthenics or mobility exercises, but it's that stuff combined with breath work. Um, and to me, uh, which again, even that sort of minimizes the spiritual side, but, but I'm, I'm kind of talking to people who I don't want to turn off by focusing on that. You know, it's like, maybe they'll get to that later. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but also to me, uh, breathing like deep, controlled, um, intentional breathing, uh, to me almost can't help, but have these meditative effects that sort of turn your mindset towards the spiritual. Um, you know, I mean, I think about Shavasana and like, why, why does it feel different? You can't just go and lie on the floor and feel that way. You know, you have to do the whole thing. And then it's, you know, it can be very intense from a sort of, um, I don't I, I really want to say hallucinatory, but, you know, from a meditative uh, kind of imaginary um, mental state. And it's like, to me, that seems it's because you've front loaded with all of this, um, with all of these sequences, you know, that have come down throughout the centuries and with deep breathing. So to me, that's, that, that ends up being like the spiritual component. It's, I'm more just sort of open to what comes rather than maybe searching as much as I feel like other people might be doing um, with their practice. But it definitely seems like you sort of have your hands on the gears spiritually. And I, and I am looking for that. Like, I'm not just looking to fix, fix my, you know, half broken body. Uh, even though that's like probably why I got into it, you know, um, because it's just, it's impossible to ignore um, if you really do all this and and take the breathing seriously, how different you feel in, mm. in all ways. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, you know, that's funny. You say that about Shavasana being hallucinatory because I've wondered that before too. Cause I, I kind of feel like it is kind of hallucinatory and I'm like, I, is it the, the asana practice or is it like I knocked something loose from like an experience I had at Burning Man? Like, it's really hard to tell sometimes, <laughs> right. you know, and, you're, and I, you know, I've read like an ancient text and it is something like, you know, they, they didn't all go to Burning Man. So like, I think it is something, <laughs> but it's sort of hard to tell because I've had some like pretty far out experiences in Shavasana, which I guess also you don't really get that as much in your home practice or I don't. Do you, 
do you feel like it's like a deeper Shavasana when you're at a studio or practicing with people? Yes. Um, for sure it is. Although the, the caveat is that with, you know, whether it's like the zoom class I did or in studios, the, the yoga session was just so much longer, like more than an hour, as opposed to my home things, which are less than an hour. So I'm not sure if there's just some sort of time threshold, you know, I mean, I've noticed that when the, uh, practice is more than 45 minutes long around around that time I start having no idea how much time has gone by you know mm-hmm. whereas when it's 15 minutes I can kind of like oh yeah this 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 but you know after a certain point I'm just like what I don't know you know I'm totally and and that's great I love that feeling of sort of um powerlessness you know or just like I'm I'm like the teacher's puppet you know uh and you just I'll just go as long as you want um but actually it was it was really um it was really great on on that Zoom class with uh, Lindsay. Um, I mean, this is such a like, you know, only in this modern time, but there was actually a connection problem during the Shavasana. So <laughs> me and my, <laughs> we did the whole class. It was awesome. Everything awesome, you know, and it started this sort of guided Shavasana, you know, meditation part. And then the part came in when you just be quiet anyway. And then the call ended and me and my girlfriend are just, lying on our mats just like and just an indeterminate amount of time <laughs> like i have no idea how much until i'm just like wait did something happen <laughs> she looked, <she's> like, oh. <laughs> but that was great because it was actually you know it was like however long our minds really needed it to be you know it was sort of a sort of a perfect occurrence but um yeah, that's like my worst thing with meditating is with like if I'm really feeling distracted meditating, I all of a sudden just start being like, well, but I definitely just didn't set my timer. And I like convince myself and then I look and of course I did. Like it's not, you know, it's not like it froze. It's the opposite. It's where I think it did it just time's going slow. And it's only been three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, no, it's been 20. I can tell. <laughs> um <laughs> So, okay, I have a logistics question because Evan, who you know, but is my husband, uh, we try to practice together and it is hard to find a spot in our house where we can practice. So did, were you guys outside or did you do like one in the kitchen, one in the living room? Like, how did you, how'd you feel? No, I mean, um, she just has kind of a big apartment. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and- very, very lucky. I mean, yeah, it was a little bit, you know, um, she had these because she's definitely more into the mood than I am. She had these like candles and stuff. Um, and there was a part where we were like, well, we definitely have to move these candles forward. <laughs> like, then, like once we started moving. Um, you do bring up a, a kind of sad, um, uh, uh, a little test I have for, for New York City real estate, which is I've, I've often said my, the only thing I need from a room is that I can put a yoga mat down um, like, you know, that there is that much amount of space to put a yoga mat down in, in the bedroom. And sadly, a lot of rooms, (laughs) a lot of rooms fail that does the room I'm standing in now that I'm, I'm about to move, um, to, to a bigger space, which passes this test well, but, uh, yeah, the room I'm in now actually only, um, fulfills that if I, uh, raise my standing desk to full position and then I can kind of get this a little bit of space under it but uh you know so I definitely I mean yeah it's 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 tough um we were definitely kind of you know we had to do a little bit of the like staggering or whatever we were both standing um but then again I've had to do that in classes too 
So. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I am. Um, I have had, I lived in this like uh, really a lot of very small apartments in the Bay Area. And I would a lot of times just be like, well, I guess I'm getting a twin bed in this room. Like I had this little twin bed because it's the only way to fit a yoga. <laughs> Yeah, and definitely yeah, apartments yeah. where I couldn't put my arms over my head, even though I'm only like five four. It's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No. I. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, okay. So I speaking of kind of meditation, we've been kind of going around it a little bit, but there's something I've always wanted to ask a musician, and since you're the first musician I've had on the show, um, is there a part of the whole kind of experience of making music that feels meditative to you, like writing or performing or, um, or just making music like is it, does any part of it feel like it's meditative or is it all kind of like artistic work or is there a mix or what? Um, yeah, I'd say that, uh, the thing I think if, if I can, um, if we can go for perhaps a pretty general, interpretation of meditative and like what that feels like the 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 thing that that happens um is what i've heard described uh at times as a flow state Mm. um which is to to me means uh a state where you don't really perceive time or perceive it in the same way um and certainly with performing that will happen um when you're like on stage, you know, um, with, with my kind of band where there's not improvisation, really, we have like a very, you know, the songs are a very defined, uh, script basically that you just kind of get up there and, and follow, you know, try to do it all, uh, very you know, tightly coordinated, uh, with the other people. Um, and something about focusing so much, like being so in the moment, trying to essentially, you know, not make a mistake or, or hit every, you know, expressive beat that you've sort of, um, planned out means that doing it the the experience of doing the whole show usually feels like it was like you know 30 seconds um and that can also happen like a practice or at home i mean you know sometimes at home it's just not really happening and it's kind of just a slog just like you know with anything writing or painting or whatever i'd imagine where it's like sometimes it's really great and it's flowing and sometimes you're just kind of like uh like you know just kind of forcing yourself to do it um which is fine you know i don't expect it to be ecstatic uh, but when like at, at all times, but like when, when it is, when you do kind of find of whatever people want to call it, warm up or get into it, or just kind of hit the, you know, the real, um, kind of focus, then that's when I feel like I, you hit this thing that, that is in common, uh, with meditation of just kind of being a little bit outside, outside time, uh, perceiving things differently, perceiving more the sort of like content of what you're thinking about than yourself in a room in like the usual way. That's so interesting. So like when you're performing, I, so I've never performed anything. Like I'm not, I'm not a performer of anything. I mean, I'd argue teaching yoga classes probably similar ish, but a little bit, it's a little different though. Um, because you know, there, the the people in the room are actually working also. So it feels more to me like a team. It's like, uh, we're on the same team. (laughs) Um, but so, so like, okay, you're at your performing, will you just like kind of do you actually, I've heard people say this, but is it true? Do you like forget the crowd is there? Like, is it like they're not on your mind or what's like, yeah. Um, I mean, (laughs) I've heard that too. I can't say that I forget they're there because, you know, they're kind of right in front of you, but you certainly don't really like look 
you know, or like, like only like at times and like, or you might see the people who are sometimes, you know, depending on the stuff, there might be people like right in closely in front of you that your eyes will sort of like fall on. But, but yeah, when you're kind of similarly to like forgetting the, the passage of time, you also just don't really, you don't really like engage. You don't look into like a intentional way, the way you do when you're just like in a room in another context, like the way I might be if I was in the room, um, you know, as an audience member before the show starts and you're just like, oh, who's here? Is my friends like, no, do I know that person? Like whatever that like that. It just sort of goes blank. Um, uh, but part of that is that you also like, I mean, if you kind of like look out, you know, you'll sort of drive yourself crazy. Like I also kind of have to just um, and, and I think a lot of people you have to just define the space on the stage and, and kind of be like, OK, we're just doing this as if we were in the practice room. Um, Cause otherwise you'll go a bit nuts. Uh, but, but I think the thing you're talking about is, is true in that once, maybe once you sort of put that barrier up, like right when you get up there, just not to, you know, be overcome with sort of shyness and self-consciousness and you actually start playing the song, then yeah, you know, you're definitely not, you're not too much thinking about what they're doing. You're, you're thinking about what you're doing. Um, and trying not to make a mistake. Am I mistaken? Yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> it's like, oh, this part, this part, I have it three times, right? Okay, yeah, this part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, yeah, I, I also really like what you said about like, I don't expect it to be ecstatic, like ecstatic every time because I feel, I don't know, like, I feel like whenever I've been like interested in writing or art, I get this like, you know, I think the difference between like a professional artist like yourself and somebody who like dabbles is that ability to like slog. Did that take you a, a while to to figure that out? Or have you always just kind of had that attitude about your music? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I used to, uh, I used to like draw and make collages and stuff when I was a kid um, before doing music and I remember having a similar thing there where I more like wanted it to be done. So at times I would be enjoying it and at times I wouldn't necessarily, but I, but I wanted it to be done and I kind of knew I would be happy once it was done. So I was kind of just like, okay, you know, keep going it. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a work in progress. It's been refining. Um, my, uh, the guitarist of Krellis, uh, one of them, uh, Mick Barr, um, is a little older than us and, uh, you know, um, has been, uh, something of a mentor, uh, cause he, he, uh, and, and he's also like, he's kind of <laughs> prone to, he'll say things kind of like, you know, in, in, in few words sometimes. And, uh, um, I remember reading an interview with him actually, I think when we just joined the band, but it was an interview with one of his previous bands and it was, um, this band that was just called Orthrom, where it was just him and a drummer and it was just very very involved guitar playing it was obvious like took a lot a lot of practice um and uh they had, so they asked him like you know how much do you practice whatever like that and he said you know at the time like he didn't have a job or anything like that he was just like full-on guitar and he said you know four or five hours a day and he's like he said in the area sometimes it's the opposite of fun but then again <laughs> this isn't really about fun and that kind of stuck with me because <laughs> I think some people are like, well, why? Like, what is it, you know, what is it about? But it's, you know, it's true. I mean, for, for, I wouldn't quite put it so sort of, um, I don't know. I mean, to, to me, like I said, it's, it's more about that sort of, you know, paying it forward. Like, I know I'm going to like that I did this. Mm -hmm. um, so at times, you know. But yeah, I mean, I think there's like another category, you know, like 
watching a TV show or eating a box of chocolates or something like that. It's like, that's when I'm like, okay, entertain me, you know, at all times, you know, but, but something like uh, an artistic practice or something like that at, at times you have to delay gratification, I think a little bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, unfortunately, or I would probably be like a pretty great uh, artist by now. <laughs> it was just like, well, constant. I mean, I guess we all would. <laughs> is doing your yoga practice always insanely fun i mean sometimes no. i feel like you're probably slogging to yeah you know, that's you know true. you want to get better i mean what was it like 200 hours or something to get a teacher certification they can't have all been yeah i think <laughs> i yeah i probably have like 600 but yeah 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 but i mean just to start teaching in the first place right yeah, at least yeah. I was, when i see those adversary classes which i'm always got a little bit tempted by not that oh. i want to teach i just want to do the 200 <laughs> it's kind of fun the 200 hours are kind of fun actually yeah. um yeah, they're good. But not times. Yeah, maybe not at not, every point inside of them, you know. Yeah, yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, it's uh yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I guess I have everything sort of like that. Anything that's, you know, pers- that people pursue can go, you know, also be the opposite of fun. <laughs> I love that. Um so if you so like um when you're like talking to younger musicians who are starting to like start to maybe feel the effects, maybe specifically electric bass players of their, of their, um, of playing, do you, do you recommend yoga to them or do you recommend certain poses or do you just let them figure it out for themselves? (laughs) Um, I, what I, what I recommend is for them to at least stretch a little um, before and after. And I kind of say like, you know, don't be like me (laughs) and not do this for the first, you know, decade of, of, of playing, like start incorporating this. Um, and I definitely have recommended yoga to, um, to some of them. It's, you know, I don't really want to like scare them off by going sort of like whole hog with like, by the way, you should really have a full on like body mobility practice. And by the way, mindfulness. And if you thought about breathing and, you know, really meditation <laughs> will improve your quality of life. Like, you know, it's kind of a little bit at a time. So just getting them to do any sort of um, mindfulness, mobility, stretching. Um, and I'll certainly drop in that. I think yoga is a great way to go about all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, it's like, you know, if, if we get to talking about it, I'll, I'll certainly get around to that, but I might sort of lead with something a little bit more, um, small bore. Um, but I definitely do just say like, Hey, you need, you need to be conscious of this. Um, or eventually it's going to impair your ability to do the thing in the first place. Mm. Are there certain, so you mentioned that like five minute child's pose, are there any other poses that are like specifically helpful? You think, yeah. I mean, there's a ton. I mean, that's, that's, it's kind of funny. It's like, um, you know, in like physical therapy diagrams or whatever, when they show the drawing of the body and then parts of it are red, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, the like problem areas or whatever, like that's sort of like what, what I love about doing like a sequence of um, like a, just a normal yoga sequence. That's for anybody is that like certain, certain poses. Cause I'm, you know, I'm, decently flexible like in general but then i'll hit certain poses and on certain sides because you know sadly electric guitar and bass playing and and a lot of things um really except drums uh are are asymmetrical which is like a big part of the problem but it's like what are you going to do it's like that's what they are 
Um, and so the stress patterns on the body are asymmetrical. Um, so yeah, that, that, uh, child's pose, um, because ultimately a lot of the problem is like a, uh, sort of, um, this like repetitive stress injury and sort of like overstimulation or, or whatever you'd say under the, the scapula in the back, kind of like the same, the same sort of area that seems to be sort of pulling you up from behind when you do a pull up, but like right in the, like a horizontal line right across the mid back again, under the scapular shoulder blade. Um, so anything that extends that is really good for me. Like a, a classic cat cow is really good because that's kind of what you're, um, expanding and contracting. Um, but yeah, that, uh, and child's pose and all that, uh, the, uh, the cat cow where the variations where you, um, turn your fingers to face towards your feet, like the other way. And then also the one where you go, you flip, you, your, the fingers are also, you know, pointing towards your feet, not, you know, reverse of the usual way, but you're like on the tops of your hands so that you're stretching like the top forearm. And then maybe even kind of sitting back on your heels and leaning back. Um, that stuff is really good. Uh, and then basically like all of the sort of, um, hip bridge progression as I see it, like the, the one where you're, you know, the initial just bridge where only your hips are rising and then the sort of like reverse tabletop to what I call the reverse plank where your like legs are straight to the full wheel, like all of that stuff, because the, the thing is all, you know, all sort of guitar and electric bass is, is basically like a, a shoulders forward kind of tension. Um, and so anything, you know, I guess they call it chest opener, heart opener kind of pose, um, anything like that, like kind of, it's kind of like as much as you can get of that, because every time you practice your doing an activity pattern. That's, that's not that that's a, that's a just closer essentially. So all that stuff's good, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's like the story kind of never ends, you know, I know triangle is really big for me. I realized at a certain point that when I played electric bass, I was, um, uh, I, cause I usually do it in a kind of classical guitar position if I'm seated and that my right calf would actually be activated and my heel would be up sitting. So like all of that stuff, again, like triangle, um, half splits and stuff like that on the right side uh is huge but uh again it's part of the you know part of the journey and the joy of it is like oh wow i finally found a way to stretch that you know i finally found a way to get at this thing that's been bothering me yeah <laughs> um, and since it's back stuff you know it's not very intuitive like how do you do that you know and you see a lot of people who don't have this stuff in their lives you know they're like i just have lower back pain and it's a complete mystery to me you know and then somebody's like oh get surgery about it so okay so that's a whole other thing, but <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I think it like the way you started the interview when you were just talking about how it's like checking in with your body is like, uh, the easiest, hardest thing I think for like physical wellness. Um, cause it's amazing. I don't know. I talked to you. I don't know if you know, if you've heard of her, she's a writer. Her name's Hallie Bateman an illustrator. Uh, she was on the podcast, but she was talking about how she actually doesn't like listen to her body like and she has a lot of pain from illustrating uh and it's just interesting because i was like i literally can't imagine living i can't imagine that anymore because i've just been doing like listening right. for so long like you can't shut it off after a while <laughs> no yeah i mean I, I i definitely can sadly because i do because i remember it, it's more like i can't imagine that i was so ignorant you know, anymore, mm -hmm. but I know that I was because yeah, I was doing this intensely like with that, with that foot race thing. I was, I, that was like this year. And I'm like, wait, I just noticed that I raise my heel and tense my calf basically a hundred percent of the time I play in this position 
And I just figured that out. And I've probably been doing it for 15 years, you know, so, <laughs> um, but even more so, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I can remember the sort of sense memory of just thinking of my consciousness as this sort of like, you know, almost like a, like a, like, a, like we imagine a ghost, just like a, like a POV consciousness that just sort of like floats around and everything else is just like a total black box, you know, mm-hmm. like what's that? What until, and this is what happened to me until pain starts because mm-hmm. you can't ignore that. And you're like, okay all right, you know, (laughs) um, which is good. I mean, pain, you know, pain teaches us not to get too weird about that or anything, but, uh, uh, that was, you know, nowadays it's like, yeah, um, I'm much more sensitive. And I think the threshold, you know, I'll perceive things as pain. That's like way less than, uh, might've been the old days, but again, I'm I'm tuned into it. It's like, Oh, how is this doing today? How is that doing today? But yeah. I, I remember the dark age, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I can, I can see why, you know, when did, when did you start doing, doing yoga? Uh, I was probably like 18 or 19. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. But I, suppose I, I was like 29, 30. So yeah. 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 I, I, you know, though, I think it is like a, a, maybe a partly genetic thing because I can remember just being always aware of my body from the time I was like very little, which actually I think makes you a whiny kid. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. like I think I'm yeah, cold. Yeah. My toe hurts. Like whatever. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Whereas I was definitely like the dreamer, like head in the clouds, bad at sports, like all that stuff. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I was bad at sports too. So well, fair. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say that you weren't a dreamer. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Not, not aware all. of much, least of all my body. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, this has been great, Nick. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. All right. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I guess it's uh, just about an hour. Huh? Yeah, I don't want to take too long and, and Hudson will be home soon. But um, yeah, I guess I will, if it's okay, I'll post your Instagram and sure. um, and maybe the band camp of Kralis, if that's all right. On of course, website. please. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. I had so much fun talking to Nick. It was so good to hear his perspective as a musician that basically uh, yoga is his way of being able to continue being a musician um, and be comfortable. And also his advice uh, about yoga that the best yoga is a yoga you actually do because isn't that true, (laughs) right? Like we can all, you know, trip up about what kind of yoga or how long we're practicing or where we're practicing or whatever, but really, you know, the, the practice is doing the practice, right? So it's actually doing it. However, it works for you. Uh, so I have decided, and we kind of got through all of the yoga sutras that I feel comfortable talking about, that I have feel like I have something to say about, but I wanted to start just at the end of episodes talking about weird wellness trends I've gotten into (laughs) because they often don't fit in the intro but like sometimes I think it's fun to talk about and like I try weird stuff and I thought maybe you might be interested um so this one's not that weird but it's an update from my interview with Kamiko and I ended up doing actually a consultation with her she was a woman who is an expert in Ayurveda And uh, one of the things she said was every morning to splash my eyes and my nose and my mouth and my face with cold water and to like really consciously think about waking up the senses. And I've actually really been enjoying that, Um, especially because, you know, because we've been on trips and things have been kind of busy. I've completely let my meditation practice just go. I mean, it's 
bad guys. Like I'm maybe doing maybe on a good day, five minutes of breath work and that is it. So whatever we, you know, I know I'll get back on the horse. The horse is around here somewhere. But anyway, this little moment I have where I kind of wake my senses up, I feel like is so good. I think one is just like a minute to myself, you know, even on a trip where Hudson's kind of in the room, there's like this moment to myself. Um, and just this consciously like getting my senses up has been, I don't know, it's just really nice. So that's a wellness thing I love. And speaking of cold water, I've gotten like so into the lymphatic system. I don't know if you guys watch these YouTube videos of like lymphatic face massages. So like, I'm always like looking stuff up and kind of like rubbing my face. I'm doing it right now because I can't help it. Uh, but basically the lymphatic system is the only system in your body that doesn't have its own pump, right? Like, you know, for respiratory, you have your lungs, obviously you have your heart, but like the lymphatic system, the way it gets pumped is through, you know, movement like yoga or running or whatever through, um, breath, like conscious breath and, um, you know, through, um, massage. So I've been sort of interested in this like lymphatic massage, but I don't really know anything about that and I'm bad at it. So I don't really want to talk about that. One other thing I read about a way to like get the lymphatic system going is to take a very cold shower at the end of your shower. So like for me, I take like, you know, my regular shower and then I put it as cold as it can, it gets, and I do it for like a minute. And supposedly like that, like shock to the system, like kind of gets the lymphatic system going. And I don't, you know, I don't know what it actually does biologically, but I'll tell you, it feels like it's like waking up every muscle of my, like every part of my skin. Like it feels so good. I mean, it feels bad, you know, like bad good. <laughs> like it feels wild, I will say. Um, and I've been really loving it. Like it does feel like there's like this sense of energy. Like I don't know if it like, it almost feels like it, it must release endorphins the way like a workout does. It kind of feels like a cheat way to get endorphins though. So I don't know. I find it really interesting. The other part of it that's really interesting to me is like when you change the water to really cold, it's like difficult to take a deep breath. Like your body kind of seizes and the focus on trying to breathe regularly, I feel like is like really good for like learning to calm the nervous system. Uh, and I, it does, it's funny. It is like, um, it is something you learn, right? Because I am getting better at it. Like it's a skill. Um, anyway, it's something I've been trying. Have you ever heard on that? I probably will not keep doing it in the Chicago winter. Like, let's just be honest with ourselves, but I've been liking it so far. And if something you do, or you have other cool lymphatic system pointers, um, please email me or message me. It's Rebecca at homebodiesyoga.com. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Rebecca. Uh, at Homebodies Yoga Podcast. Um, and you can also, um, if you wouldn't mind, rate and review at the Apple Podcast Store. Um, yeah. So I will see you, not Apple Podcast Store, Apple Podcast, you know, the podcast. <laughs> uh, so I hope to hear from you. I hope to see you around and happy practicing. Bye.